Amen. If you have your Bibles, you open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, as you are finding your place there, I want to invite you to uh, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve here at Lindsay Lane begins at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. We'll be here a uh, brief time for our candlelight service. We'd love for you to be here. And then uh, it's a special time of year this year because Christmas falls on Christmas Day. And uh, we will not have groups next Sunday, but we will have uh, one service beginning at 1030. And both on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, uh, everybody will be in the sanctuary from 8 to 80 and and all in between. We are um, looking forward to having all of our families in here uh, during Christmas and uh, celebrating it with you. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read together verses 8 through 20. The Bible says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Luke chapter 2 presents the birth of Jesus. And Joseph, having the confidence and the confirmation from an angel of the Lord, he took Mary as his wife. And at this time, the Roman Empire called for a census and instructed everyone to return to their own ancestral towns to register. So Joseph and Mary traveled out of Nazareth to Bethlehem. But this part of the story that we've just told from the scripture was told 700 years before the birth of Jesus by prophecy in Micah chapter 5. The scripture says in Micah, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past, or if your translation may say, from the days of eternity, will come to you on my behalf. And the people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. And then at last, his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land. 700 years prior to Jesus being born in Bethlehem, prophetic word of the eternal redeemer and everlasting ruler was given. I think it is incredible to think of how accurate this scripture is in the light of the distance between what is given in the scripture and the fulfillment when Jesus was born. Now, if you believe that the Bible got it right relative to geography and the location of his birth, then you should also believe that the Bible gets it right on the description of your Savior and the description of your Redeemer and your eternal Rescuer. In Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, the Scripture describes the night that Jesus was born. In verse 6 that we didn't read says, While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That, that is not much of an Instagram story when you think about it. And that's not really a, a, a very elaborate, detail, big deal kind of announcement, a, a big deal kind of a celebration. There was a divine announcement from the angels for sure, but the arrival of Jesus up to the standards of the world was definitely contrary to expectation. 
This was the entrance of the King of Kings and the eternal Lord of Lords. And he was advent to earth in the weakest way possible as a baby. The, the Christ child was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is mentioned in Micah as a small village among the people of Judah. If you study Bethlehem, Bethlehem was of no significance. It was not a strategic city. And one commentary even says that in an Old Testament scripture that lists the cities of Judah that Bethlehem wasn't even mentioned. And Jesus was laid in a manger. We all know what a manger is. If you're familiar with Christmas and the Christmas story, the manger was a feeding trough that was used for our Savior. It was a crib for him. Before the census, the little town of Bethlehem was overcrowded. There was no Airbnb. There was no hotel. There was no place for him to lay his head of normal expectation. The shepherds would have been the least likely people to receive such a grand and glorious divine and king-worthy announcement. They were charged with night watch. These shepherds were the most socially undesirable of classes. These shepherds were outsiders. They were outcasts. They were disreputable. They were unclean. So when you think about the arrival of Jesus to the world and think of all the things that we laid out from Bethlehem and a baby and a manger and to the shepherds, what in the world is God doing with all of this? And why would God do it this way? For this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and his entrance into the world. And we've said before that the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom where what the world expects is not always what the Lord does. And our God is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. And God works on purpose and God's ways are often contrary to the expectations of man. The Christmas narrative presents to us humble beginnings to help our soul. Now really lock in to this next part as we walk back through what we've just covered to explain the principles of God's word and how it helps us for today. Our Lord entered the world as a baby. Why? To remind us to depend upon God for our strength and our purpose. Our Lord was born in a manger because we need to be reminded that contentment and humility are godly characteristics. Our Lord was born in Bethlehem, a place of insignificance, and I like this one. He was born in a place of insignificance to remind us that wherever Jesus takes up residence becomes instantly significant becomes instantly valued and important. And this being a long time prophecy that is fulfilled is a reminder for us to wait on the Lord and to wait on his timing and his promises and purposes. Our Lord was announced to shepherds, to the outcast and the unclean, because all need to know that they are eligible for redemption. The outsider, the, the outcast, the unclean. God delivered good news to the outsider to invite them to the inside. Even them means even you. As one author puts it, oh, come all ye faithless, joyless, and defeated. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. You see, Jesus lowered himself for our good and for God's glory. You may think that we say that all the time because it's a a matter of mentioning our purpose statement to you. I mention it all the time because of that, but also because it's in the Bible everywhere. Jesus lowered himself for our good and for God's glory. Listen to Philippians chapter two, verses seven and eight. The Bible says, he gave up his divine privileges. 
He took the humble position of a slave. He was born a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He lowered himself, not giving up any divinity at all, but lowered himself to the earth to serve us for the glory of the Father and the good of those that would benefit from his service. And one more, the scripture says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he would make you rich. You see, while Caesar Augustus was positioning himself to tax the people to make war and to lift the glory of his name and extend an empire that would die out, Jesus was positioning himself to serve the world to bring salvation to the glory of the Father and build a kingdom that would never end. He lowered himself for our good and for his glory. The entrance was humble, but the announcement was divine. The scripture says in verse nine, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Just one appeared among the shepherds and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. Now the word angel means messenger. And in the scripture, God sent angels as special assignment messengers. They were to deliver a message on special assignment all throughout the scripture. And here an angel of the Lord, I love how the scripture says this, just doesn't just like appear with a glowing light. It says he suddenly stood by the shepherds. Like they're around talking about something. Someone may have let a cuss word slip. And all of a sudden a divine angel is standing right beside them just looking at them like, hey man, what's up? Like freak them out. Because the scripture says they were terrified. Terrified. And an angel of the Lord is there and he's there on purpose to deliver a message and he scares the daylights out of them. And speaking of light, verse nine says, it was the radiance of the Lord's glory that preceded their terror. Think with me, the radiance of the Lord's glory that preceded their terror. The Lord, their terror, the Lord's glory, and when we speak of God's glory is the general greatness of God. It is his altogether awesomeness. It is his excellencies. And so when we, the church, move and do as the purpose statement says, as we to work together for the glory of God and the good of man, when we reach out through our move nights, when we go on mission across cultures, when we minister to each other here in the body of the Christ, and body of Christ, when we are evangelistic and we share the good news, when we invite someone to church, when we testify to what God has done, this is the church working together for the glory of God and the good of man. When we treat others how they should be treated, when we treat each other how we should be treated, according to God's standard. This is us operating at a glory that's bigger than ourselves. We operate for the glory of God and the good of man. We proclaim his excellencies, his awesomeness, and his greatness in general. We do not exist for ourselves, church. We exist for the glory of God according to the scripture. But verse nine mentions the radiance of the Lord's glory. This is specific. This is a Visible expression of his attributes, a visible expression of his character, his perfections. Now, what we see in the scripture, when you think of the visible expression of God's intrinsic character, when you think of the visible expressions of God's internal essence, the physical demonstration of God's glory, the Bible says it is light. It is light. We understand light, don't we? 
I mean, light makes a difference in the darkness. If you had to put a definition on it, you put a simple definition, we know that light makes a difference in the darkness. What does light do? Light reveals, light exposes, light illuminates, light warms, light invites, light transforms. And scripture makes a consistent connection between God and light to give us a revelation of who he is, what he provides, what difference he will make in your life this day and all other days. See, the Bible says there is no darkness within God at all. None. There is no sin within God. There is no impurity within God. There is no injustice within God because he is light. The very internal essence of God is light as it's physically demonstrated to the world. God is not stabbing you in the back. God is not out to get you. God is not trying to put you in a bad spot. God is not trying to lead you astray. And God has not forgotten you. Why? Because he's light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. He is light. He gives light. And in other words, he is the difference in your darkness. Now, let's connect this with the Bible. In the beginning, the Bible says that the heavens and the earth were formless and they were empty until God said, let there be light. Creation needed the light of its creator for what? For its transformation, for its illumination, for its revelation, for its purpose. Now listen to this. The time between the Old Testament and the New Testament was about 400 years and in that time, the world waited for revelation. They waited for the voice of God to tell the world how to be right with God in his sight, to stand right with him forever into heaven. And if you look back up just a few verses from the prophecy of Zechariah in Luke chapter one, verses 78 and 79, just look back up there in your Bible. What does it say? Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give what? Light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Sometimes you just have to read the Bible to understand exactly what you need. Do you need a path towards peace in your life and what's going on in your life? Are you feeling like you're in the shadow of death? Know that God has provided light to those who sit in darkness. God has provided light to those who need guidance in their chaos. And that light is in Jesus Christ. This is not referring to a physical light there in Luke chapter one, but the figurative light of Christ. And that night, the shepherds in the field were working at what time of day? It wasn't a time of day, it was a time of night. They were working in the dark, but they and the rest of the world, while they were working at night, they were living in the darkness. They were living in the shadow of, the, of night, the shadow of death, as God's glorious light was getting ready to break into the world. A physical expression of God's illuminating, revealing, transforming perfections was giving to them with a message of good news and great joy that was available to even them. What is the good news of great joy? The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born. If there's anything you need in your life or your problems right now, I can tell you the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord will make it all right. It will help you from where you are to where you need to go as Jesus is the light of God revealed to the world, the way, the truth, the life, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. He is your ticket to heaven. He is your guide and lamp in this life. John chapter one, verses four and five says, the word gave life to everything that was created. 
and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and darkness can never extinguish it. We can go on and on and on with these references in scripture of God and Jesus being light. If you are feeling dark, then look no further to the scriptures. Every human being, according to the scripture we just read in John chapter one, every human being, which is us looking at each other right now and all the folks on the outside, all the folks that have or have been or ever will be. Every human being was been given by God life when they were created. But every human being, while they have life, they need light. They need illumination, revelation, transformation. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it when you have light. Do you ever feel like you are sitting in the darkness, as the scripture says. To those who are sitting, which means they are not moving. To those who are in the darkness, which means they cannot see where they need to go. Do you ever feel like you are there, living there, like as the scripture says, a shadow covers over you. Like you are wanting to do something great, you are wanting to do something more, you are wanting to do something different, you are wanting to be someone else, someone greater than you are, but you just cannot figure out how to get outside of the shadows. Do you ever feel like this lantern? This is another high budget prop. There is no line item in our budget for the pastor's props. Because up until this point, they have not cost a dime. This is one of my favorite Christmas decorations that we have in our home. It's created special as it stands before you. It's got a little church scene in here. It's got red birds that remind me of my grandmother. I love it. It stands in our house. But while it's sitting here before you, something is missing. It is a lantern. But right now, as it stands with all the other Christmas decorations... As it sits, it just kind of blends in with everything else. It's a lantern, and a lantern is meant to what? It's meant to shine. It's meant to have power. It's meant to reflect, to give revelation. It's meant to give illumination. It's meant to give transformation, to help God. But if there's no light, it really doesn't do that. It just sits here, and it blends in with everything else. Now, you may have noticed it when I stood before it, but up until this time, before we actually started preaching, you may have not even seen it at all. Let's take it a step further. Let's see it this way. You see, this lantern, without light, simply now blends into the darkness. As it is dark, there's nothing special about it at all. It sits on its own, without purpose, without power. It can say all that it wants to, that it's a lantern, but something's wrong and something's broken. Something is missing. It has life as it is created. It needs light. With light, it now becomes visible. And it doesn't sit in the darkness any longer. It shines in the darkness. Because the light that is within shines. Don't miss that part. It's not the light on the outside. It is the light on the inside that shines from within, which makes all the difference in its purpose. And when the light within shines, the lantern's purpose is not only fulfilled. Now there is illumination, there is revelation, 
And because there is transformation, even now, as I'm reading this to you in the middle of the illustration, I can see my notes because of the light within this created being that shines. There's no question as to what it is. And now it's able to make a difference in the world around it. Now, verse 79, verse 79 again says to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of eternal peace. Jesus came by the will of the Father to lead you out of whatever darkness that you are in towards a path of peace for his glory and for your good. If you are in Christ, the light of Christ is in you. If you have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, if you've turned from your sin and turned to God, God's light is in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. And oftentimes we are looking for everything else on the outside to find our purpose, looking at everything else on the outside to help us feel better when God is right there on the inside, illuminating, revelating, and transforming. We had a young lady come by our Christmas house just a couple of weeks ago. Honest to goodness, every year that Lindsay Lane has ever done Christmas house where we basically reach out into the community to help people who are in need. And by the way, we all are in need at one point in our life. Amen. That's a, that, that should be our, our calling card when we welcome people in here that are in need. As we sit before people who are in need, we, we are glad to tell them that every single one of us that goes to church here has been in need in our lifetime. But as we are welcoming people in, this happens every single year. It's not been a year yet that it hasn't happened where someone comes up to me or one of our staff members or one of our volunteers and says something like this. Man, I love being here tonight. It just feels so much better just by being in here. One lady came up to us this year, said the same thing, knew what she was about to say. She said, it feels so good just being in here. You know what I told her? Seriously, my quick response to her was this. Was this That's what light feels like. That's what light feels like. Because light shows you where you are and where you need to be. This is what the light of God's word does. This is what the light of the Holy Spirit does. This is Jesus inside of us that shows us where we are and where we need to be. And when we are where we need to be, I don't even know how else to describe it. It feels good. I'm not trying to drive you towards a feelings-based faith, but I'm telling you, when you are in the center of God's will, doing what God has called you to do, it's a whole lot better than living outside of his will and doing what you want to do. And so as we invited them back, because that's the thing, church, as we invited them back, when you are in the word of God and the will of God with the people of God and you're serving God, you are living in the light of Christ when you are seeking him personally. It's a better way to do it. And every day that you wake up, you have that option between the Lord's way and your way. Light is warm. It's welcoming. It's good because it's transforming. Light shines to show you where you are and where you need to go. Final word. So what do you do when your life is dark? You know, there are some people here that they've come today because their life is dark. There are others that we know that are not here because their life is dark. Let me just make it real plain. What do you do when your life is dark? Physically, what do you do? 
When you walk into your house and your house is dark, when we walk into the sanctuary and the sanctuary is dark, what do you physically do? You move towards where the light is. That's what you do. Now, the deception of your sin, and I remember this because I quote this a lot. Back in college, when you start mentioning our college days, we have a lot of folks that have come, that have joined the church, they give a testimony and then be like, and then we went to college. Because college is where I did the same thing where we think we know better than God and we're gonna take it into our own hands and live it out for a little while. And when you are doing that and when you are living at a guilty distance from God in sin or living apart from God, the last place you wanna be is to where that light is because that light is gonna expose it. That light's not gonna tickle your ears. It's not gonna massage your shoulders. It's gonna hit you right between the eyes for where you are and where you need to be. But if you are here today, and many of us that are here today understand that we are grateful for the light of Christ. If you are here today and the light has hit you square in the face, knowing that you are in a place of darkness and that you need the light of the eternal living God, I ask you, what do you do? You don't move away from it, you move towards it. You move towards the light and all of your responsibility move during the invitation, move towards a pastor, move to the word of God, move in prayer. You go towards God, not away from God. If there's a need for revelation in your life, illumination in your life, transformation in your life, you've got to go to where the switch is, where the power is. And I love this verse in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 29. David said, O Lord, you are my lamp. You light up my darkness. The word, the life, the light of Jesus. It brings light into the life to everyone who would receive him. And listen to this church. If you are living in darkness, but you have the light of Christ in your life, to everyone who would not only receive him, there will be light in your life. To everyone who would also seek him, there will be light in your life. As you are tuning into the spirit of God and what God does within you. As you are reading the word of God, as you are in the church, not just hitting it up every once in a while, dropping your kids off. But when you are in the church, serving in the church, getting to know the church, walking together as the church, when you are taking the word of God in and you are memorizing it, when you are applying it all to your ways and living out God's will, when these things are a part of your life as you are going to where the light is and seeking the will and way of God, the brighter your life will be. And the Bible says, unto good news, unto great joy. Now you may think to yourself, so you're just telling me that if I get in the church, I get in his word, I get in his ways, I get in his will, and then I, I, get, I live by the spirit of God, then I'm gonna feel great. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I believe you're gonna feel better. But God did not promise you good feelings. God has delivered good news unto what? Unto great joy. Do you know what joy is? Joy is not a fleeting feeling. Joy is a solidified satisfaction based on the truth of God that what he has promised he would deliver upon now and in eternity. Joy is not based on the ups and downs of our emotions. It is based on the truth of God's word and revelation who is Jesus Christ. We were not in need of life. We had life. We were in need of light. And at Christmas, God sent his son so that we may have illumination, revelation, and transformation. And the church said... Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet together.
If you would bow your head with me and close your eyes as we just enter into a holy moment. We have a time of invitation here to invite you that if you are in a place of darkness and you need help, if your soul is in a place of chaos and it's in constant back and forth between good and bad, if you need a savior or if you need direction, don't let this day pass you by. This altar is open for you to cry out to God. Our pastors are here for you to talk with. We have decision counselors here that would love to talk you through baptism, talk you through joining the church, talk you through your own personal salvation decision. Lord, thank you for your light. Thank you for lowering yourself, oh God, so that we may know that we can have eternal life. God, you delivered word to the shepherds so that we would know that we also could be sons and daughters of God. God, we thank you for your humble beginnings as they help our soul. We thank you, O oh God, for your glory that lights up our darkness. Father, I pray that we would remember that in you we have all that we need. And God, that your way is better. Lord, as we stand, as we sing, as we think, as we get ready to respond, Lord, if it's been a while since we've been to you in for real prayer and we've been on our knees and you're leading us to that, God, that we would move. Lord, if we've been walking in darkness and we need to move towards your light, that we would move. Lord, whatever it is that we know that we need, that we would move closer to that as you are desiring for us to walk in your way and in your will. We love you. We thank you, O Lord, for loving us giving us light. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you. We have people here for you to talk to if you'd like to.